that as the coming days come to a close, that you, the voter, you're informed about the issues and you will make the right decision as it relates to your candidate of choice. Well, good, good afternoon, everyone. It's an honor and a privilege to be here and especially alongside uh, Pastor Adams. And we, like he shared with you, we've been uh, up in Blyville with uh, our candidate. And right now, we just want to take a few minutes and share some thoughts with you. And uh, prayerfully, uh, it'll all make sense at the end of the day. Is there anything that you would like to bring before uh, the audience in terms of platforms or questions in regards to uh, the candidates, uh, what they're standing for, what they're not standing for? Or let me just say this. I am representing uh, Gary Tobar uh, as uh, chairman of public relations and he's out campaigning. We've been uh, to one other uh, radio, no, two radio stations this morning, uh, one an urban station and one a country station. Uh, we want to reach every segment of the population. Uh, we just feel that our candidate has not represented well any of his constituents except a few that have a vested interest in keeping him in office, but we are of the people, by the people, and our candidacy is for the people. And so uh, if uh, Brother Knowledge has anything that he would like to uh, bring before us that perhaps we may be able to, to answer on behalf of our candidate, and if you have any questions, please feel free uh, to uh, send your questions out to us and we'll do the best we can to make sure that you are heard and our answers are presented to you. Uh, on on our, the Tobar platform, uh, I want to deal with education as I shared with Pastor Tobar and, and I hope it makes sense to our listening audience. Uh, I like to look at it from the philosophical side that Albert Einstein, because all the politicians are talking about education. Everybody seems to be focused on the same thing. Well, what I like about it, he says, education is not the learning of facts, but the training of the mind to think. And thinking, critical thinking is needed at this time. If you will listen to uh, Pastor Adams as he shares with you from the Word of God and just uh, not being judgmental, but just sharing the truth, uh, not, not to be offensive or politically correct, just communicating. And uh, one, of the, one of the most important things is the ability to think. And if we're going to turn the economy around, if we're going to turn our nation around, we need critical thinkers. We, we just don't need people who uh, just feel like their voice isn't important. Your vote is important. Your voice is important. And your concerns important to us as we share them with our candidate and and right, right now that's kind of about all I have to say on it right now. God bless you. Thank you sir and that, let me just say uh, because you brought up the uh, issue of education that we also need to look at what our opponent is saying and 
we do have his scorecard. We have his his card that uh, he's put out uh, in regards to his platform, which uh, on here is a three-pronged platform, and one of them is education, the other one is prison reform, and the other one is affordable health care. Let's look at this idea of education, because our opponent, who is Monty Hodges, the incumbent, said that I will continue to support efforts to increase and expand pre-K funding so all of our children can have a level playing field. I have a son who benefited from attending a quality pre-K program, and I want everyone in our community to have that opportunity. And I say to Mr. Hodges that that's a laudable uh, goal, uh, which is to support and increase and expand pre-K funding. However, we want you to know that education is not just pre-K. Education begins uh, from uh, birth all the way up. And what we're calling education on our level is post-secondary education as well, of which Mr. Hodges has said nothing about. And uh, not only is he talking about supporting, but the question is, what are you going to legislate? Uh, it's easy to support, and we don't know what level of support you're talking about. Uh, are you talking about writing a letter? Or are you talking about writing a check? Uh, so it's important for us to know what you're talking about when you're saying support. Uh, not only that, but you notice that everybody talks about education, as has been mentioned. And one of the things that when I was in Birdsong, Arkansas, not too long ago, I ran into Mr. Hodges' campaign manager, and his name is Timothy W. Willis, and we uh, kind of had a debate and argument about uh, the best way to go in education. And he told me, he said, the best way to, to, to tackle this problem of education is with quality teachers. And we have hired quality teachers. As a matter of fact, we've added teachers and we're looking at raising uh, the, the salary level of the teachers. And I said that is, uh, that's a great goal and that's a good thing to do. It's a good starting point, and that is to uh, raise the pay of teachers and certainly uh, increased uh, pay uh, attracts teachers. But I want to tell you that that is not the only criteria that we need to measure education by when it comes to just hiring teachers because we know uh, that there are people, there are those who attend college, and if there is not a, a job or there's not uh, uh, anything that they can get hired from in their field, that many times they gravitate to the field of education. And many of them have to go back because they are not endorsed in a particular subject in education, even though they may have studied a uh, a particular curriculum, what happens is they do not have the educational uh, prerequisites in terms of teaching and learning. And therefore, they have to go back and obtain the certifications necessary to qualify to be a teacher. Many of them 
have not passed the national uh, teachers examination, the practice practices, and that takes time. They have to have uh, time to, to learn uh, what's on the test, and as a result, uh, those that are not in the field are not the same that are dedicated because they went into education. Many who are teaching now, when you raise the pay and it attracts uh, qualified applicants who meet the, the minimum to be hired, many times we find out that the government will forego their student loans if they are hired in uh, areas in which there are some criteria that will help them to uh, forego their loans and to reduce their uh, student loan obligations. So many of them will take that route. They will go into the what we call the inner city schools, uh, the high poverty schools, uh, schools that have been identified as having uh, low achievement gaps and low achievement rates. And those are the teachers that are hired. And why uh, would we hire teachers who are not qualified to go into schools that already have low achievement rates and put them in those schools and they've got to, in the meantime, learn how to teach, go back to school to become certified, but all in the meantime, uh, they're reducing their student loan obligation. Many of them will continue in other programs such as law or getting their MBA, Masters of Business Administration, and after those three years of probationary period, which gives them enough time to get that advanced degree in business administration or whatever other field they're going into, law, at the end of the three years, that's why you have so much turnover in the field of education because we don't have a lot of dedicated teachers. We have people who are using education as a stepping stone. And we're saying that it's not just about hiring teachers and giving them a quality salary, which is important because everybody wants to earn uh, a respectable amount of money for the time and effort and energy that they have put in to pursuing a professional degree. But we also say that if you want to, uh, to sh uh, shorten or if you want to narrow the achievement gap, you've got to do some other things with students. Uh, Mr. Willis, who is his campaign manager, said the best thing to do is to hire teachers. I said, no, not only teachers, but students need to be, uh, they need to have technology introduction as part of their lives and part of their curriculum. He says, no, no, I don't even allow my son to use any kind of technology. Well, Mr. Willis, that may be good for your son. And of course, you're chief operating officer of a clinic, of a medical facility. And certainly your son 
may achieve at a high level. But what we are talking about are students who come, many of them are born premature. Many of them are born in homes in which in this district, the overall poverty rate is 25.5%, which means that one out of four of your children already enter uh, schools at a high poverty rate and therefore have been denied some of the other things that other students have uh, been having access to. And so when they get that technology which helps them to bridge the gap, which helps them to learn by all of the different methods and modalities, then it's important for them to close that gap by all means necessary. All children don't learn the same way. All right. Some of our children are, are, are kinesthetic learners. That is, that they use their hands and uh, they are able to use manipulatives for them to achieve. Others are, are visual learners and they learn by seeing. Uh, so all children don't learn the same way. And if we want to do that, what we're saying is one size fits all, and that is not the case, Mr. Willis. And if your son or your child can learn without the aid of technology, that's good. But I also say this, Mr. Willis, you have a clinic, and I guarantee you that every time that some latest technology that comes out that is designed to help you to better aid the diagnostic procedures as it relates to your patients, you are going to do that. We're not using rotary phones anymore, Mr. Willis, and neither are you using antiquated equipment in your clinic because you're competing with other clinics. You're competing with other medical facilities and you want to make sure that what you're doing is up to par or par excellence in what anybody else is doing. And so I want to say to you, education is important. Yes, I know, as you told us, that two years ago you all started putting smart boards in schools. But I want to tell you that I have a friend of mine, and we work together, He's from Arkansas. He's worked in the Memphis City Schools. Ten years ago, we had smart boards already. So if you were just putting smart boards in two years ago, your students are eight years behind the other students. I will tell you this. Not only that, but there, were, there are schools that have issued their student laptop computers. And you're going to tell me that technology is not important when we're living in a technological age? We're past counting on our hands and on our feet. We're past doing those that rote learning. We're past all of that reading out of the McGuffey Reader. 
we're past all of the things. See Spot Run and see Jane and all of this. See Jane and Dick. See Jane and Spot Run. We're past this. They're using high tech in order to be highly educated. And Mr. Hodges, education is not just pre-K. Education starts at birth and ends at the grave. So we want to tell you that we differ in the area of education. We believe that all citizens should be educated, and it is the responsibility of the state legislature to supply those funds, not only pre-K, but those that are in higher education as well. You're right, Dr. Adam. As I sit and listen to you, <laughs> I got tickled because, my God, I got to come back and all that. And one thing about education is, once again, we share it. I love reading. I love reading. I have a library. Somebody told me years ago, I'm 62 now, when it comes to African Americans. Put them in a book. They'll never read it. And I say to young people, whatever you want to do in life, you need a great education. Well, however you determine success, somebody has already done it. And 100% of the time, if they're very successful, they've written a book. $30, $40 for a book in your field will save you millions from learning the when I heard that term, Dr. Adams, put it in the book, they, they won't read it. You know who they is, right? They, they won't read it. I don't want to say it on the air. Y'all know. They won't read it. And I know even in the, in the, in the ministry, we say faith coming by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. And this is true. So does everything else in your life come by hearing. And if you only... Live your life by hearing. I understand some people didn't have the opportunity to get a solid education. Let me be respectful on that and mindful on that. But I'm talking about those of you who can. May feel like reading for what? Oh, it's very important. Very important. Because a lot of, I don't know what percentage it is, but a lot of what you hear, you'll forget. Trouble will make you forget. But one thing about reading and studying in a book, you can always go back to it. At the end of the day, you can always go back to it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm reminded of when the Lord told Joshua, read the law of the book and keep it. And it will preserve your life. Dr. The education scorecard for District 55 is that there are close to 10% of those in the district, one out of 10, who did not complete ninth grade. What that says to us is that on down the line, when they become adults, uh, then they will have to go back and get some remedial type education in order to compete for entry level jobs. And so we wanna be sure uh, that the population of our children uh, from preschool all the way 
high school is such that ninth graders don't have to drop out for whatever reason. And when they become adults, there is some adult education uh, that is available to them, whether they want uh, to go into some type of uh, job training uh, or skills or whether they want to go back and get that GED and, and enter uh, into um, community college and pursue some liberal arts uh, uh, line of study. So we have to understand that we're living in a time that education is important for everybody. Our socioeconomic uh, status says that those who don't complete high school are those who make uh, the least amount of money and the uh, least able to afford uh, the necessities for their family. And we want to have families who are self-supporting and not be a economic drain on society. Let me just uh, mention another uh, area. Uh, if you don't, do you have another area that you want us to cover? Uh, and I'll try to be as uh, brief as I can, but I'm passionate about education because I retired as an educator, and I, I know what families are going through. Um, as an educator, my children went to school with me. I took them to school. They graduated. And I worked at what you would call an inner city school. And I want to let you know that if it was good enough for me, I felt like it was good enough for my children. And they were able to succeed. Uh, I have children. Uh, uh, all of my children, uh, I did not push them uh, to be anything other than the best that they could be. But I do have a son who is a musician in Texas, works at a school uh, as a music uh, major. Uh, I have a daughter uh, here um, in Memphis, and she works at school. She has a master's degree. Another daughter has a master's degree. Uh, I have a daughter as well. All of the children, is what I'm saying, uh, they knew the value of going uh, past high school. Uh, to do the best that they could. And I'm proud of them. Uh, they uh, could have dropped out. Uh, they could have done anything, but they chose uh, to uh, follow in my footsteps. Uh, my wife is also a college graduate. Uh, and we uh, came from large families. My wife came from a family of 10, and I came from a family of 13. So don't tell me that you cannot succeed if you don't put your mind to it. One word I'd like to cover is empowerment. And I hope that in these critical times that we're in, uh, I'm in a motivational speaking field, um, inspirational speaking field. And I mean, if you, we are in critical times. And these are times that the scripture says, where there is no vision, the people perish. And when we're talking education, we're talking employment, we can all sit back and say, hey, it's really bad. And you'd be telling the truth. We live in fearful times. And you can be and you're telling the truth. But these are also times for change. You know, the word, the word 
always means doom and gloom for crisis. It could be seen as a turning point. And right now, voices need to be heard. Every vote needs to be counted. And so when we're talking from empowerment, every day I wake up, I want to tell somebody something. Try to make that day better. Try to, you know, I, I, I grew up singing a song in, 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 in church. If I can just help somebody as I pass along. And I think many of you know that song. And there's a quote that simply says, 90% of the people give up. They'll be the ones that's hired by the 3% that didn't give up. And so every day, you want to wake up. You want to wake up with a new set of eyes and a new set of ears. We can look at the problem all day, but you know what we need at this critical time? People that says, I can do something. I think it was John F. Kennedy that said, made the famous statement. Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. We need every citizen to vote. We need, every, we need your prayer. But we need to do more than pray. We need to get up, even if it's raining. Get out there. Your voice counts. And and and, and that's kind of my take on empowerment. Okay, thank you. And you are so so right. Uh, we uh, do not take anyone for granted. We don't take uh, who you are for granted. And so often politicians feel like because. Uh, what you've done in the past is an indication of what you're going to do in the present and in the future. And therefore, they start uh, tailoring their agenda around special interests because they feel like you're going to vote for them no matter what. Uh, and when we become partitized, uh, we become people uh, who can be easily controlled and easily influenced. And I want to say this. Uh, all of us, for the most part, have grown up in a democratic society. And as a result, uh, we have voted democratic. Our campaign, our campaign is focused not on party, but on person and upon principle. And I want to tell you that Mr. Hodges has, has forged his uh, principles uh, around uh, those things that are anti-Christian, uh, uh, one of them. He has supported and does support uh, the same-sex marriage um, agenda, uh, which is a uh, national democratic agenda that they won't tell you that's what it is. Uh, he has supported the national uh, democratic agenda on abortion, and both of those issues are an abomination against uh, the Lord God, our Creator, and he said that uh, we are not to, to lie uh, with mankind as with womankind. It's an abortion and it's an abomination. Uh, he said, tells us that abortion uh, is, uh, is, a, is against uh, the law of the land that he has created and that children are a heritage from the Lord. And when we uh, cut off uh, a child from life, we're cutting off our own seed, and we're committing uh, genocide. And it's easy for people to not want us to bear children. And uh, when we do that, uh, then we become 
more of a minority than what we are. And so we have to be very careful. Our agenda is pro-life. Our agenda is the agenda of God. And that is a man and a woman who will be uh, the progenitors of the race uh, so that we will go out and do what he says, be fruitful and multiply. And so uh, not to cut off our children because they are our heritage. And when you lose your heritage, you lose your identity. And that's what people would want us to do, to not have an identity. I want to say uh, to uh, those of you of the faith community, and if you're not, then do not fall for this agenda and do not vote for Mr. Hodges. If you don't have an agenda, if everything else is equal, those two issues ought to be the ones that separate you from voting uh, for Mr. Hodges and for voting for Mr. Towar. The third thing I want to share with you is the fact that he was asked about the question of illegal immigrants in the city, or excuse me, the state of Arkansas. And he said in his answer that this is a federal issue. And I want to let you know that it is not a federal issue. It would be a federal issue if all the illegal, illegal immigrants were stationed in Washington, D.C., were on federal land, then it would be a federal issue. But because illegal immigrants are what they are, they are illegal. And because they are illegal, they are all over the nation. And if it were not a question which was asked by the Arkansas voters guy, and the question is, how can how should Arkansas address our illegal immigrant population. The consensus is that, number one, that there is an illegal immigrant population in Arkansas, and number two, the situation must be addressed. And so I'm saying to each of you today that it is a national issue. It is a state issue. It's a local issue. It's an issue for businesses because if they're hiring illegal Im immigrants, it gives those businesses a, a, an unlevel playing field. It gives them an advantage over those that are doing right. Secondly, states need to know that when they give monies out, it's going to businesses that are doing what they're supposed to do. And they are not padding the bottom line, which is their profits, on the backs of illegal immigrants. And thirdly, because we are in an agricultural state, it is wrong for these big conglomerates and these corporations who have all of this equipment and all of this farmland that they are farming to use illegal immigrants and to pay them less wages than the legal farmers have to pay their own farm.
into the tax system. They're not putting their income and parts of their monies into the health care systems, the uh, social security systems, the old age survivors, disability insurance system, uh, and all of the things that the legal worker has to pay for. He is being taxed. And when we have an overall poverty rate of 25.5%, it adds to that because those are the ones that have to go to the food stamp offices and receive the subsistence and the other things in order for them to subsist. And so it is not right for the taxpayers to subsidize the non-taxpayers when they are illegal immigrants. And so, Mr. Hodges, this is not just a federal issue. This is an issue that affects all facets, health care issues, when we have to pay for the health care of illegal immigrants, when we have to uh, pay for all of the things that society has that we as taxpayers are taxed for, and others don't have to do that. It is an issue, and I want to let you know it's an education issue as well. When we have to educate a segment of the population that are not members of society as we know it, it is wrong, it is illegal, it's not right. And Mr. Hodges, you can't make uh, right out of wrong. So thank you so very much for listening to us. And we hope that we have said something uh, that will make sense to you uh, to differentiate voting from Mr. Hodges and voting from Mr. Tobar. If everything else is equal on those three issues of immigration, of same-sex marriage, and abortion, we ask you to cast your ballot for Gary Tobar as your next state representative, District 55, House seat in Arkansas. We want to thank you all for tuning in to our broadcast today. Uh, nothing but the raw truth. Uh, we thank Dr. Adams. Uh, we thank uh, Pastor Thomas. We thank uh, Elder Knowles for being here today. Uh, you all have a good day. Thank you, and keep tuning in to Nothing But the Raw Truth with Dr. Bruce Smith. Have a good day.